For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. Hope your Super Bowl hangover isn't too bad. Well, you know, I can't say there was a whole slew of excitement going on in last night's game. Uh, Except for the greasy food that I have once a year because (laughs) I justified saying, it's Super Bowl, why not? Um, It was a fun game uh, for about... The last three minutes. Uh, <laughs> commercials were somewhat yeah. entertaining. You know, we talk about marketing topics here on the program. Mm-hmm. And uh, and listen, it's an expensive commercials. Uh, did you watch any of them? Did you feel that, that they got their message across? Did you like Andy Warhol eating a Burger King? Like I, a burger? I didn't see that one because I, I was watching the Canadian version, so I haven't caught up online yet. But uh, one, one thing that seems to be more popular is is uh, making like mini movies out of these commercials and mini documentaries. And this is something that's interesting for marketing purposes, too, is just using your 30 to one minute time slot to uh, to, to to get at people's heartstrings. Well, I, th- I think what, what's even beyond that, and we've talked about the challenges of marketing and, and storytelling, and storytelling that has become uh, very popular in 2018. It continues to be popular in uh, 2019, and I'm sure beyond that. Storytelling, when you're creating, when you're spending this budget to create this video, if you already have all the crew there and you're already spending, you know what? And I, I, I'm, I don't recall which commercials this year, but certainly in past years, there's always been that 30 second commercial or maybe even minute long. And then it's not over. And then I say to go see the end of it, mm. go online to our site or check it out. Because once you're making a 30 second, I mean, how much more to make a minute? How much more to make two minutes? You know, it's, it's incremental. Yes, there's, it's cost more, but it's kind of incremental. So push people to your site. Anyhow, I, I, I think the storytelling they did, some, some of it did a good job. Of course, you always have fun, fun and laughs, um, but storytelling, definitely important for that. Did you see the one-minute President's Choice commercial? Uh, you, it's sort of recounting the various experiences this family is going through. It's very emotional. And you don't really know what they're selling up until the end, and everyone's gathered together. And I found myself getting emotional. I was like, this is beautiful. What what product is this? I don't know. But it's beautiful. I'm not sure what I'm buying, but it's, it's great. <laughs> it's, uh, I guess I had the U.S. feed versus the Canadian feed, so I didn't see that. But no, I, you're right. It, there's, but there's a lot of a lot of commercials that go in there and say, "What is it?" Like mm-hmm. you know, how did, did we know that it was a Budweiser commercial that will eventually lead to Game of Thrones? Uh, you know, previews. Eh, not maybe not, but in the end, we did. Uh, coming up on the program, we're, we're not profiling an entrepreneur tonight. We're actually going to speak to someone who is with B Lab uh, or B Corp uh, and their B-Lab. division, B Lab Canada. And uh, Kasha Hook will join us about social, uh, corporate social responsibility. And, and I would say it, it, you know, it's not necessarily an owned corporation, B Lab, but it definitely is an international entity. And they deal with entrepreneurs every day. They are not, they are entrepreneurs. They have to run their organization like everything else, like everybody else. So I would say there's definitely an interesting entrepreneurial aspect to it. And Natalie. Riviere uh, will be along. She's the marketing specialist at FL, and we'll be talking about content marketing later in the program, uh, which is my area of interest, so that should be fun. Uh, but first, speaking of content marketing, uh, happy birthday, I suppose, to Facebook, uh, which has just turned 15 years old. Did 2014 is when is when it started. And, you know, I saw this article, and of course, every time you see Facebook and a lot of history, and, and Facebook has made the news, uh, not always for good reason in the past. But I saw this, and there was a whole bunch of stats out there that were absolutely just mind-blowing. So I figured I'd take a couple of minutes to share them. Number, number of monthly lo- users 
The end of the year, 2.3 billion. Number of daily users, recently about 1.5 billion. But number of people in the world with internet access is 3.9 billion. So that's a huge percentage Mm -hmm. of people. Uh, Facebook reached 1 billion users in 2012. And they started, of course, in 2004. Their revenues and profit, revenue 2018 revenue, $55 billion. Profit, $22 billion. Uh, number of employees when they first started was about seven in 2004. Now is a little over 35,000. Uh, so there's, no, oh, actually, this I found really interesting. The iPhone, the year the iPhone launched, 2007. The year that Facebook created uh, uh, an app, 2008. So they were on top of it right away, right after iPhone uh, launch, which I'm sure led to their billions of users. Uh, you know, it paid $19 billion to buy WhatsApp. Um, there, there, there's a whole bunch of things. Now, and then there's a stock price. The stock price has definitely mm. gone up and down over years. The political, helping out to overturn governments in some cases uh, with the Arab Spring. No, no question. No question. And then, of course, that, that affects our stock price when the public opinion kind of goes up and down with that. So, you know, their their initial... Stock offering, stock offering price, uh, thirty-eight bucks. The lowest price was down to seventeen, and uh, the highest was on July of last year of two hundred eighteen bucks. Their Facebook market value, market value of Facebook, lost right after the July height of two hundred eighteen, lost one hundred nineteen billion. Kuwait's GDP is one hundred twenty billion. Oh my god! <laughs> so there is, and Mark Zuckerberg's net worth uh, as of Friday was sixty two point four billion. So there's, they are telephone book numbers plus. So uh, happy birthday to Facebook! Not everybody loves you as much today as they used to, uh, but happy birthday nonetheless. Yeah. I was just telling a client today we have to pull back a little from Facebook. I think in general it's not in the future is not all concentrated on Facebook. Um, for social marketing, and we'll get to that later in the program, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, time to time to spread yourself a little thinner on social media. Um, looking down on uh, on generations uh, younger than us is a time honored tradition in media. And let's talk about Generation Z, Josh, and how they will transform the future workplace. This is an article that I saw in Inc. Uh, magazine a short while ago, and uh, I'll just list them quickly. You know, we've talked about generational differences in a while. We haven't necessarily focused on Generation Z or Z specifically, depending where you're from. Uh, but definitely, uh, there's uh, there's a wider generation gap at work. There's no question we see that. The, the article comments that Generation Z people prefer to work with millennials versus the baby boomers or the Gen Xs. I guess they're that much. They are closer in age or a little bit closer in understanding tech uh, and a little bit understanding uh, their own life. This one, I, I kind of I have to mention, although I don't necessarily love it, it talks about work-life harmony. I still say it's it's just about life balance. Forget work-life balance, just life balance. Lots of things are incorporated with it, uh, and there's, there's still a continued desire for that. But what kind of slightly goes against it is there is a desire for, you know, learning and being involved in human interaction. So, I, I'm, you know, they, they want to kind of be left alone. Uh, they want to do their own thing. They want human interaction. They want to learn more. They don't necessarily, but they want the life balance. So maybe not working a lot of hours. There's a lot of contradictions uh, in this. So that's why I don't I don't put 100% stock in all this generational issues because there's there's so much overlap. It's uh, it's it's quite uh, quite something. But what is what is absolutely true is the workplace environment is changing and must change to move forward it must change and you have to show what you that your workplace is changing hmm. 
Uh, I know, and I mentioned this in the last couple of weeks, but, uh, you know, we believe in it so much. There is, you know, we are putting the, together this full-day workshop, February 21st, tomorrowsworkplacetoday.ca if you want to go to it. And it's really about the changes that the workplace environment must lead to. If you want to attract people, and we were talking earlier just off air, Dan, how do you represent yourself online? And do you have to do that to attract some future talent? Yeah, absolutely. And injecting your personality into your uh, your HR in some cases is a good is a good thing too. We're starting to do that now. Producing podcasts, for example, for HR purposes, you know, getting to know your employer before you actually get hired is is really important. And and for the employer, communicating some of those benefits that are so important to millennials and general Generation Z. It's you know it it just it'll make the search ultimately easier. First of all, it's already hard enough to find talent as it is, and that's a challenge in and of itself. But if you, at least you can at least portray yourself online, where the Generation Z, the Millennials, yeah. even some people older. I mean, even I mean, you know, you go on Facebook to to see what the culture of the company is. Well, that that's where you hopefully can get a little glimpse of: Do I want to work there? Does it look like an interesting place? Am I an introvert and and it looks like they're partying all the time? I might not want to go there. Am I somebody that's a lot more outgoing and you know looks like a bunch of dare I say actuaries just working, not doing anything? <laughs> no offense to actuaries, but that's uh, that's more for introverts. So maybe I wouldn't love that. So I think I think, uh, I think uh, showing your culture online definitely helps you attract some talent. For sure. Uh, do we have time to go through quickly uh, Tom Brady's seven leadership secrets? And number one is is not cheating, I'm told. No, num- number one is definitely not cheating. Let's uh, let's definitely do it quickly. Um, and, and there are a lot, of, a lot of typical things that you would expect from pretty much anywhere. He exudes confidence. Confidence, absolutely, for me, that's presence in a room. That, that's very important when you're leading. Cool under fire. Obviously, that's, that's no question about it, especially when you have some big barreling guys coming after you. Uh, he knows the competition. This is true for any entrepreneur. Know your competition. Know exactly what's out there. And don't necessarily beat them at their own game, but you know what? Understand it and evolve from it. He's a great communicator. I don't know how many times we figure out, you know, people can't communicate and creates lots of problems. He's a great communicator. Works his butt off. He works really hard. Can't get away from that. Takes full responsibility. Doesn't pass the buck. And the final one is he takes time to recharge his batteries, something a lot of entrepreneurs, when they're knee-deep and they're building their baby, don't always do. So those are some seven quick tips uh, that right after the Super Bowl and Tom Brady, he was a winner. So let's let's assume that all those work. Congrats to Tom Brady. He has many, many rings on his hands right now. Uh, coming up next, we'll speak with uh, Kasha Hook of B-Lab Canada. She'll tell us about how B-Lab and B Corp uh, help um, further along that mission of corporate social responsibility. So Kasha is next. Professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and F.L. Montreal's Josh Miller with you. And this evening, we welcome to the studio Akasha Hook of B-Lab Canada. Akasha, welcome to CJAD. Thank you. It's great to be here. So B-Lab Canada, a division of B Corp, I take it, Josh, and we're going to talk about social responsibility today. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think she'll clarify because B Corp is a certification, B Lab is, is an organization. So we'll start with really the, the, the best first question so everybody kind of understands, everybody, all the listeners and trying to figure out what is this B Lab, what is this B Corp. Kasha, can you explain what exactly is 
B-Lab or B-Lab Canada? Sure, I can try. Uh, so B-Lab is the nonprofit behind B Corp certification. Um, B Corp certified companies are companies that have a rigorous, have gone through a rigorous assessment of their social and environmental impact. Um, so essentially the way that, you know, an Apple would be USDA organic certified or not. Um, but rather than just looking at a single product, we're looking at the entire company. So we're taking a holistic view. B-Lab is the nonprofit that um, sort of manages what the best practices are around those social impacts and kind of helps the company uh, go through that process in evaluating its own impact. Now, B-Lab is an international organization, correct? Mm-hmm. How many countries are where where in the world? Without, I don't know if you can list them all, probably not, but uh, how around the world is it? Yeah, we're very global. So we have offices in Europe, in East Africa, in uh, Australia Pacific, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, we have some partners in Taiwan, um, South America. We have a, a huge um, community in um, Chile and Argentina, uh, kind of all, all over yeah. the place, all around the world. Now, what were you doing before B-Lab? How, how long have you been there? So I've been with B-Lab for about two years now. Um, prior to that, I spent about two and a half years at a B Corp. Um, so I was with a marketing and strategic agency based in Toronto that was B Corp certified. And then sort of prior to that, my work was in international development. I worked for the UN. So why, like, what attracted you to go into the organization that certifies everything else? Yeah, it's a great question. So for me, working in international development, I really found that I kept sort of coming into issues at the end point when there was really nothing to do. I was sort of working with beneficiaries that were going through programs, but not really working on the systems change piece of it. And I was really interested in this idea of companies that are thinking differently about what their impact can be in the world. So companies that... Um, you know, realize that because they're making profit, that doesn't need to be a bad thing. They can actually use that profit for good. Uh, And then working for a B Corp, I just kind of wanted to get even closer to the systems change piece. And I realized working with B Lab is an opportunity to work with all of these entrepreneurs on this platform that's bringing all these companies together, um, regardless of, you know, whether they're working on greenhouse gas emissions or a social impact project around, you know, vulnerable workers, they're all kind of come to, coming together on the same platform. And that for me is really powerful. We'll get to a bit about the kind of work that B Corp does, but what does it take to qualify? What kinds of businesses uh, are eligible to be a B Corp? So it's open to really any business. You have to be a for-profit. You have to be in, be, uh, in existence for more than a year. Um, but really, we're, you know, across industries, across geographies, um, across business sizes. So everything from your solopreneur to your large multinational. Um, in order to certify, companies go through an online assessment and that's free. So anyone can use it. It's a 200 uh, question assessment. It's lengthy. It's long. <laughs> it's not easy. It's it's meant to be rigorous. It's meant to be challenging and educational because we want companies to understand what the best practices are and we want them to um, have those resources at hand. So it's a free assessment. You go through it. Um, once you go through those 200 questions, uh, if you get 80 points or over, uh, then you can go through the next steps, which is to go through a phone call with our standards analyst. Um, there, There is a legal piece attached to it. Uh, there's a fee structure attached to it. And then you would sign the term sheet and become part of our community. And what happens if you get 80, less than 80%? Then we det- we send you. Get, your- <laughs> do you get a detention? Like you have to- <laughs> we don't. We do not punish anyone for not getting over eighty percent. The idea of the assessment is that it's meant to be educational. Um, so we encourage companies to continue to. You know, we don't see this as an endpoint that you just get to eighty and then you pass and you never think about it again. Um, and most companies, in fact, once they get to the eighty mark, over the years of recertifying they'll end up getting higher and higher points because they understand, you know, that baseline of their impact. And then can go even further and do more interesting work with their impact. 
how much how much of the time you spend is about educating the the corporation educating the people behind it you know where you know do they, and do they understand the 200 questions and the impact uh you know it's uh, everybody I, like we we talked about and dare i say and maybe it's the old term that corporate social responsibility or companies being socially responsible uh often on the program but what but what that doesn't always translate into entrepreneurs understanding what that means mm-hmm. so where's the education behind it all for you yeah, I mean, I would say it's a two-way street, to be honest. So, I mean, there are parts where we come in with our best practices and we can educate um, companies. You know, let's say uh, I heard this from a, an environmental consultant the other day to say, you know, she's worked her whole career on environmental issues, but had no idea in terms of the social impact her business could have. And so there's kind of that education piece there where we're helping her understand her impact as an employer, um, you know, as a as plugging into her local supply chain, all of those things. Um, but then on the on the other side of it, we're learning from companies that are in the community. So um, these are subject matter experts that are working in, you know, their sector day in and day out. So they can come to us and say, you know, this is what you have right now is your best practice in the impact assessment. But what we would say is even an even better practice is, you know, X, Y, Z. And and we can go through that process with them. So, um, you know, the last version of the update of the assessment that we took on, we got 9,000 pieces of uh, feedback from the community. And that, it's that kind of feedback that helps us build out, you know, what is really the best practices in current times. How, like, you know, you, like you say, there's there's 200 questions, you know, survey questions. How often do they change? B-Lab's been around how long now? Uh, about 10 years. And then the assessment's updated every three years. So we're on version six right now. Um, and those are, those are you know, we go through um, all of the questions with a, an independent committee, a standards advisory council. And those are, you know, academics, subject matter experts that really um, are the experts in all of these pieces. And so it's not just B-Lab doing it ourselves. We actually have a really great group of people working with us independently. Could you give us an example of some of the metrics by which by which you measure whether or not a corporation is being a good corporate citizen? Yeah, for sure. So there are five pillars to it. Um, governance looks at things like transparency and ethics. So, um, you know, how transparent are you with your financials, with your employees, for example? Are you sharing that information with your employees on an annual basis, something like that? Uh, the other piece is environment. So, you know, what outputs does your let's say you have a manufacturing facility, what is your environmental impact? Um, employer, the employer section looks at things like, are you employee owned? Um, what kind of benefits do your employees get uh, from working with you? So parental leave benefits, if you're making it um, easier for parents transitioning back to the workplace, do you have flexible working schedules, that kind of thing. Uh, the other piece is customers. So do you have a business that creates some kind of positive impact for your customers? So let's say alleviating poverty or giving them um, some kind of nutritional benefit through the food that you provide. Um, and then the last one, so it was governance, environment, employees, um, customers and the community and that's supply chain so looking through you know is your supply chain local um do you have a diverse representation in your supply chain are you shopping with businesses that are owned by women or by minorities that kind of thing lots lots of different aspects uh, to be to be certified as a b corp and the idea is that people can plug in from from either of those things you don't have to be doing all of them but you know hopefully you're doing some of them and the international aspect because you are a global organization is interesting because you have to it's collaborating also with people around the world when we come back we'll talk about that as well today's entrepreneur on CJ 800 our guest is Kasha Hook of B Lab Canada
For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller, and we're talking about corporate social responsibility tonight. Josh, we're joined by Kasha Hook of B-Lab Canada, and we're talking about uh, some of the work that B-Lab and B Corp do uh, to keep everyone on track. And we often say that it's maybe like a generational attitude because the, for millennials and younger, you know, we often preach this on the show, um, social responsibility has to be baked into your business model at this point, right? And if it's not, you're going to lose some some customers of my generation. No question. And and there's also the geographic side of it. So, you know, I, I guess we'll, we'll ask you, Kasha, I guess there's two aspects. One, I know you're an, you're an international organization, you're, you're, you're leading Canada across the board. So, you know, I don't know if there's different viewpoints across Canada, you know, does Vancouver think the same way? as PEI you know does Montreal think the same way as Toronto okay we know that answer we don't but <laughs> but, but how is it different you know because we we've talked to you know we speak with Quebec entrepreneurs and they deal with cross Canada international we sometimes you know is it easier and more difficult to deal with certain provinces or, or what's the characteristic so in with a with a B Corp mindset it must be a little bit different from coast to coast it is for sure. Like I think overall in the community, what you see is this really kind of inclusive view of how a company can succeed. And so it's not seen as this really competitive thing. I think a lot of the collaborations that come out of the community are some of the most interesting parts of it. Um, but across the country, we do see different um, reasons why co companies would certify. So you mentioned PEI, one of the companies that's certified in PEI are working really closely with that community to provide employment for people who are under the age of 40 to try and um, continue to keep young people on the island, which is really an interesting perspective of, you know, business as a really strong community stakeholder. Um, you know, in, in, um, Quebec, I think there's this focus of entrepreneurs being uh, th thinking about business really holistically. So um, there are really tight ties, tie-ins with the government, with local nonprofits. Um, it's really seen as this holistic community. Um, I think in Vancouver, you know, we have a really natural sense of um, they're already green and laid back. They're they're very supportive of this type of work because they're you know it, it comes naturally to I think when you see the ocean and the mountains every day, you can't help but consider your impact on those things. And Toronto, the city um, we love to hate. <laughs> Maybe not so much. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I think in Toronto, I mean, we have the biggest community of the whole country based in Toronto. So I think there's been, you know, a big uptake in Toronto too. And people are seeing this as a real, a real viable alternative to your traditional forms of capitalism. And when you're in a boardroom in downtown Toronto, for example, uh, it's often hard to connect someone to nature or, or, or things that are not sort of in the immediate on the bottom line. What kind of what's your pitch to people who are sort of in that nine to five mindset who aren't thinking about the planet or or the broader community? Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of this idea that if you don't start thinking about it, your customers and your, your clients and your community are already thinking about it. So you're already behind the ball if you're not doing that already. I mean, Larry Fink's led to Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock Financial. They, they're the largest asset management company in the world. Um, he wrote a letter to the CEO saying you can no, no longer just think about profit. You have to be thinking about purpose in the companies or else investors will not be looking at your companies any further. And so this idea is not just coming from, you know, you should do it because there's this moral imperative, but really it makes business sense. And if you're not doing it, you're already behind. Now you're, you're, there's also an international aspect. We talk across Canada, you do collaborate with your counterparts around the world. How's that? What's working? Like, what's the collaboration aspect that, that works and maybe some of the obstacles 
distance being one, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, distance and culture. and culture exactly. Like those are those are two big challenges for sure, um, but also two great opportunities. I think um, taking examples from you know uh, in Australia, for example, the community is also quite disparate. They're they're placed all over the country, and that can be um, a challenge when it's a community that's really based on this collaboration. And so, how do you bring those those people together? Um, you know, some of the opportunities in the UK, for example, um, they were just hosting a, a conference on sustainability in the apparel industry. Um, and we're hosting one in, in Montreal and on Wednesday this week. Um, and so I think like that kind of knowledge sharing is really important. So understanding um, what are the what what is what are businesses eager to hear about in that context, in that sector, and then bringing that to our conversation is really helpful. And I think a great example of how businesses are really open to supporting each other and open to sharing those best practices with each other. Is it because you're not competing with one another, you're, you really are collaborating, you're trying to share, you're trying to get the most out of everything. Are there tools you use that work well for collaborating across the world? Yeah, so we have a, a channel that's for certified B Corps, and it's essentially, you know, like a Facebook or LinkedIn, but only for employees of certified B Corps. So any employee within that company can access it. And it's really handy for things like, you know, say your HR manager is setting up their employee handbook and they want to see some great examples. They can just make a post and people are often really willing to share that information um, or jump on a call, you know, make those connections. Um, we also have in-person events. So once a year we have a regional event and then we also have a North American event. And the stories from those events are, you know, we come to the table as two entrepreneurs, but we're already on the same page. And so collaborations can come out of that where um, you don't have to necessarily kind of spend the time figuring out if you're actually aligned. You're just there's a natural fit because you've both gone through this process to, you know, look at your 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 values of your of your business and align that way, um, which I think is really powerful in connecting with other entrepreneurs. We spoke earlier in the program about educating, educating current, future B Corps. It kind of leads me to marketing. What is B Lab or B Lab Canada or even B Lab worldwide? What do you do from a marketing aspect? How do you get how do you because you have to educate worldwide. Not everybody understands uh, what it is, let alone what the benefits are. So how do you market B-Lab? Yeah, it's a really great question and something that, you know, as a small nonprofit, we have um, sort of not necessarily focused on in the past 10 years. We haven't really spent any money or, or resources really on consumer awareness, but um, have relied on the B Corps that are in the community to do that work. And that's been really incredible to see how different companies bring it to their customers and to their client base. Um, this year is the first year that we've actually launched a consumer awareness campaign. So it's launching um, in February and we're hoping that it will sort of tell the story of how, you know, working with B Corps, uh, buying from B Corps, doing business with B Corps is actually a way to, um, you know, make those decisions on a daily basis and really vote for, you know, the kind of world that you want to see, um, which is really interesting for us because I think there's a lot of demand from the consumer side of things. People really want this and they don't necessarily know how to identify a company, um, you know, from greenwashing or from good marketing. And so having the third party credentials behind that can be a really powerful thing. Um, and so it's something that, you know, we're excited to launch. But I think, you know, the ongoing conversations that we're having um, are also, you know, a great way to to bring awareness to it. So marketing efforts, website, whatever, is that more centralized? We do have a central marketing team. Um but, you know, a lot of it comes from the B Corps themselves. Mm -hmm. They just have really great ideas. It's, you know, we've been fortunate to have these um, companies that 
in in being really progressive and thoughtful about their impact, they're also really thoughtful of how they can tell the story. And so they'll, you know, contact us to say, we're at this expo, how do we talk about it? Or like, you know, we want to put this sign up in our shop window, like those kinds of things. Um, And just really creatively bringing the message to that consumers um, in ways that make sense to their audience. Now, what's, I guess, been kind of the biggest, you know, was there a specific challenge you had? Like you're you're going into the office tomorrow. What's your next challenge? Like where, where do you, where do you see, B Corp or B Lab in the next couple of years? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I think that, you know, with our um, community being um, really broadly based across Canada, one of the challenges is just making those links. So um, one of the B Corps that we're working with is Business Development Bank of Canada, BDC, and they've just launched a podcast series. So that's a really great way of bringing those stories to a wider audience. Um, and so things like that, just thinking about how we can engage with a community that's, um, you know, has different identities, have different motivations for certifying or for being interested in managing their impact. And then how do we bring them together and, and share those stories so that we influence other um, entrepreneurs to, you know, so they're inspired to also make these changes. Kasia Hook of B-Lab Canada, our profile this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. And coming up next, Josh, we're going to chat with Natalie Riviere of Cometa. And she's going to talk about content marketing and social responsibility as well. So that is up next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you. And we're joined by Kasha Hook of B-Lab Canada from B Corp as well. And uh, joining us as well is Natalie Riviere from Cometa Marketing here to talk about responsible content marketing. Welcome back, Natalie. Thank you so much. And Josh, uh, this is so important. It's your company's message that you're putting out there. So you have to communicate that you're actually doing some good for the world. It, it, it is. Not only that, but you know, content is king. We've said that time and time again. Not the easiest to get people to write uh, I know we live that on a day-to-day basis, but it's so important to get that message out there. There are numerous challenges to creating and maintaining content, of course. So, Natalie, thanks so much. I know you you have probably hours of thoughts on this, and Dan too. I know you're in you're you're doing this uh, for sure. For sure, you guys all have tons of thoughts. <laughs> but let's start with Natalie. You know, we haven't heard from her yet. So, Natalie, what what are your first thoughts when you're thinking about creation or managing creation of content first? Usually, uh, I. And would recommend also to look to what you're already doing. Most people are actually creating a lot of content on a daily basis with their processes, but not realizing that it would be interesting content or even count as content. And so normally to make it realistic for people to keep it up as a plant that you have to water for these feeds and search engines, you want to really understand the business and look at, okay, are we creating press releases? Are we creating trainings? Uh, Is it like employee alerts? Is it messages even internally that could be interesting externally and so often it's about finding what you're already doing that then if you just polish it a little uh could serve uh beyond that initial investment what if you're don't really have content that you've created not that you've ever met a company that doesn't but if they're really starting from scratch um where where do they go what do they think of do they outsource do they do they deal with their own people do they start small low-hanging fruit I'm answering questions for you. Sorry, I don't mean to. Go ahead. I think uh, the word stories and storytelling is really popular now, but also really appropriate. Mm -hmm. And so you start by having to tell the story of the brand. Um, And of course, you need visuals for that. And so graphics, uh, images, if possible, people really know when it's a stock image. So you want to have as 
as authentic content as possible. Uh, and you also have to tell the story in copy. And so what is this company about? What is your offer? How are you offering it? Who is your target? What are your values? And so even working, for example, on a vCore assessment would produce a ton of content that could then be shared and really interesting for people. And then, of course, there's the platform. You have Facebook, you have LinkedIn, you have Twitter, you have Instagram, you have Google, whatever else there. What is the platform people should use? That's not a, a one-answer question. It's, um, not a, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Exactly. Definitely not. You want to start by looking at is your, in general, 100% of your audience is going to Google you. So you want to use social as even just a way to get found in search engines since they are the most popular websites online. Um, but you then go into the thought of where are my audiences. And so a B2B company would probably perform very different than someone that's in uh, like a fashion brand, for example, who has end users that might love everything they do. Whereas if you're selling accounting, it's a little more challenging sometimes. Are, yeah, I'm, it, no doubt it is. Uh, are there general rules of thumb? Like, you know, you wouldn't have, uh, I don't know, actuarial services showing pictures on Pinterest, you know, like, but you would from a, from a fashion, from retail, from restaurant, whatever. Yeah, strategically, when you consider search engines and that 100% of the audience online is there, and we're now at a point where over 50% of the entire world population is online, uh, Twitter Every single tweet is read by Google, and that's the only one other than YouTube, if you want to consider that a social media channel, which you should. Um, and so Twitter is very popular, as you know. That's where the journalists are. It's a pretty universal one in terms of reputation management and having to speak up for yourself in these industrial conversations, news. Um, but what you, if, what if, you're, what if you're cons you don't feel your consumers are on Twitter? Does it matter? Should you still go there because there's other important... That's a great point. And so if we look at the marketing from the two aspects, one being reputation management, we want to get found in search engines. So we want to use some of the staples and, and then playing social to speak to social audiences. That doesn't always mean it's your client. Making sure that your messages work in social then gets them more activity and um, visibility. And that popularity will then bring them more likely into the visible like vision of your clients. Um, but then maybe like for the B2B example, LinkedIn is a better fit. Uh, the French community is there. Uh, if you're catering to the youth, Instagram, Snapchat being more popular. So yes, there are some choices that you're going to make based on your audience, but others are just about the general visibility of your brand and using this as a marketing strategy and not necessarily direct for client. I'll echo that and I'll say that Twitter is really great for public relations. Uh, if you're dealing with media or if you have a community that you're talking to on a regular basis, you need Twitter, but it's not going to sell your product. No, definitely not. Now, then there's managing content. Uh, you know, it, it's it's there all the time. You and you can have content. You can you can play with your the the people that are online with you. What can you say to that quickly? Very quickly, uh, what I would encourage all entrepreneurs is think of it as content banking, and you want to bank this in yourself because there is value to it. And so you want to be really harvesting all of your efforts in a tool that you own. So. Most of your content should live first on your website and then be shared from there so that you maintain ownership of it. And really, you're using these channels to tease and uh, invite and attract and delight people towards your tools where you can build actual relationships. Because at the end of the line, this is humans after behind every click and behind every purchase. If somebody doesn't like a message and tells you on your social media platform, do you deal with it head on? A hundred percent. And so many of the most viral marketing examples or really impactful stories come from how brands respond to those kind of uh, 
types of feedback. No, it's a, you, you can't leave anybody hanging, that's for sure. As we approach the last moments of our show, uh, thank you very much, uh, Natalie. You're Perry. Uh, lots to discuss, lots of opinions. Uh, we didn't even touch on on a chunk of it, but we'll we'll move on. And as we approach the last moment of our show, as we do each week, we'll we'll turn to Kasha Hook of B Lab Canada and ask you, Kasha, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? Um, I think really thinking about long term. You know, when you're when you're in business, we're no longer looking at short term profit is driving everything, and so. Uh, right now is an opportunity to be seen as a leader in the space. And I think any company that, that can sort of align to that and get ahead of um, that movement with the right intentions, with the credibility uh, attached to it, that's very important, um, is going to be like those are going to be the entrepreneurs that we're seeing succeed in the future. Excellent. Thank you very much, Kasha. You know, all, all the talk about, you know, uh, social responsible business and, and giving back. Definitely, we've had so many entrepreneurs on, Dan, that that uh, that have spoken just about that. And, uh, and really, my, my takeaway is it definitely long-term. There's so many more aspects to than just the bottom line. And it will feed the bottom line as well. For those that really just want to make money, great. Well, don't forget that being social, we, we keep talking about why. Why customers go into stores. Why customers want to go. Well, you got to give them the right reason. And the reason in the future is is being absolutely socially responsible. Kasha Hook of BeLoud Canada, thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Natalie Riviere as well of Cometa Marketing. And Josh, we'll be back in two weeks from now. No, we're, we are back next oh, we week. Are. Okay. We are. Okay. MHD Rockland. They were on about six, seven years ago. Father-son business merged. That was an interesting story. Tune in for that. Very cool. All right. Don't forget, all the episodes from the past 10 years are at the community section at flmontreal.com. Back here next Monday night at 7. Have a good night. <laughs>